Well, hello there. Welcome to Spiritual Conversation, honest and joyful explorations of topics and ideas to help us practically connect with our spiritual purpose and live our best lives. I am your host, Jacqueline Clare, and today I am joined by Barbara Mutezi. Barbara is a conscious leadership coach from Zimbabwe, trained in neuroscience-based coaching with a background in medical anthropology, sociocultural anthropology, health, and community psychology. She is the author of numerous articles as well as two books, including one that I really feel expresses her personality so wonderfully called, Am I Insane? Black? or just a woman about the insanity of everyday living, navigating that growing up while encountering racism and the unique experience of transitioning from an all black family into a white one and living in a poor neighborhood while attending an affluent white school, all while living in a culture that is overtly patriarchal. So this is gonna be such an amazing conversation. Barbara, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jackie. I love that introduction around the book. It always makes me smile each time I see the title. <laughs> Even though I came up with it, it's, it's quite an interesting one. But um, aptly put across, it's just a lot of things happen in everyday life that sometimes you get taken aback. And just all the experiences that you know are all individual, but at the same time, part of our bringing is quite interesting and a topic that I love to talk about. So thank you for having me on your show. Sure thing. Yes, it's so interesting how the very unique, specific and personal experiences we have, you know, in some ways are also what binds us, you know, that makes the, our living and our learning so universal based on the specifics of mm. how we were shaped, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And my journey is to become more conscious of how us as individuals are within ourselves and also as part of that whole community. Mm. So I'm all about sort of working towards become more conscious of who we are and how we contribute or not contribute to our environment in general. I think that's really huge what you just said, because, you know, as in so many topics these days, there's like a dichotomy, there's polarization, there's arguments between like, you know, is it the individual or is it the community? You know, is it selfish to work on yourself or should you totally be, you know, committed to the collective? And that mm. you just mentioned becoming conscious within yourself and of yourself to empower you to contribute more fully to the collective. I think that's huge. Mm -hmm. One of the statements I usually say quite a bit is that we're all interconnected. We are all spiritual beings who are living this limited human life. And so at the core and the center of us, we are all connected through our spirit, our soul, our God, our Allah, whatever you choose to call that inner being, we are all connected. And sometimes we forget that because of how you know, social and cultural influences have shaped us. So whether you're a black person or a white person or a female or a male, you know, whatever age you are, which country you're from, all of those I feel are like cloaks on top of our interconnectedness. And those cloaks unfortunately block out the energy that we have within you know, each other. 
So when we, when we work towards becoming more conscious and working on our inner selves, what we're doing is we're working to remove those clocks and cloaks. And that's where personal development comes in. That's where conscious leadership and conscious direction comes in, where you're becoming more self-aware of the cloaks that you've taken on over your journey of the person that you are today. And then with that, what you're actually doing is you're digging deeper in to see the connection that connects you to the other person. So when you're working on yourself, you're actually working for the greater part of the community. Mm. And so that has been lost in conversation quite a bit. And my job as a, as a coach, as a conscious leadership coach, is to help the leaders that I work with. So I work with business owners and leaders, helping them to sharpen their leadership skills for higher performance and impact and, and profit. And when I talk about sharpening their leadership skills, it's not so much about you know, them being, becoming great leaders, but to actually understand who they are at individual level so that they're able to connect with themselves first in, in, in an, as an opportunity to then connect with the people that they're leading so that they can help other people also connect within themselves. And the more they provide a conducive environment that way, that allows people to step into to their authentic selves, the more we can all bring to the table, which is, means it becomes, you know, it's of benefit to everyone involved. So conscious leadership and working on yourself is really a two-way thing. As you're working on yourself, you're also becoming compassionate and more conscious to how you are contributing and how you can actually contribute moving forward. Wow. It's so neat because a lot of the concepts that you're sharing, they sound like they belong to the spiritual realm, which they do. Mm. But what's so beautiful is that you are helping apply these principles in a really practical setting, which is, you know, which mm. matters to people and to the world, like their work and their leadership. Would you talk a little bit more about actually what what work you actually do with people? Like, how do you help them in this journey to become more conscious of themselves so that they can start awakening that, that sort of level of responsiveness in the people that they lead? Like, what is the homework? What is, what's like the, the baby steps in a nutshell to start that process? That's a very good question. And I'm so glad that you asked me that because sometimes, you know, initially when I started this work, I could not explain it in words, but now I've learned to sort of scale back and, you know, paint the picture in a way that's easier to understand. So I love this question because it allows me to do that. So thank you for it. And when I look back onto my, my academic education, so I've got a background, as you said, in the introduction in psychology, anthropology, and neuroscience-based coaching. So my coaching is spread, the first level is three months, the next level is three months. So the first level, what we concentrate on is looking at those disciplines. So we first look at psychology. In the first month, what we're doing is unpacking who you are. So we have a lot of worksheets that are centered around figuring out what your life purpose is as an individual before we even get to how you're leading others. So we talk about, for example, you know, what is your ikigai, your reason for, for existence? What are, when you die, what do you want your legacy to be about? And why are you not living that legacy? And, you know, who, who are you as an identity? How do you identify yourself? We have exercises that 
speak to, for example, you know, where are you in your life in the different areas of your life? Where would you like to go or to be? And what are the psychological barriers that are there? So all the exercises and questions I have start revealing that inner person that you are, that sometimes, you know, we push down because it does not fit perhaps into the social cultural influences that you've grown, you know, in. So that first month is really about unpacking who you are and having conversations with you to say, you know, when you say you want to be something or you want to go something or you want to be this kind of person, is it really you who's saying that or is it what you've taken on from what the people around you are saying? And even if we don't get to figure out your life purpose in that first month, one of the big questions that people ask is, well, I don't have a life purpose. How do I figure it out? And it's simple. In, 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 in the steps are simple. It might be difficult as a process, but once you get to it, or once you start on that path of trying to figure out your life purpose, it becomes easier because what we're doing is we're increasing the volume. So to take that back a little bit, when we say life purpose, remember we said that we're all interconnected beings. We're all spiritual beings who are living this human life. And your spirit, your soul, whatever it is inside you, that little voice, your intuition, your gut instinct knows why you're here. And that gut instinct, that intuition, and you know anything that you find you're curious about, I always encourage people to follow the things that you're curious about. Follow the things that bring you joy. Do those more because those are like little breadcrumbs that your soul has left along your life path towards your life purpose. So anything that brings you joy, do that more often. Anything that you're curious about, you know, follow that path. Anything that makes you feel whole and settled and happy, whatever happy is for you, do that more often because when you bring joy to your inner being, your inner soul, those are like, you know, little breadcrumbs that are leading you to who you are and why you're here. So we all have a, an inner guiding tool or torch, and those little activities will lead you there. So we cultivate that voice of curiosity and doing more of the things that we enjoy and question all of that in the first month. So that's all about psychology, about you as a self and your psyche. The second month, we take in a lot of aspects of anthropology. So anthropology basically defined is people and culture. And so we say, okay, who, we, we talked about you as an individual. Now we are talking about you within the other, you within the society, you within this business and this family environment, wherever you are. How are you connected? How are you relating? And why are you relating that way? Does it feel okay? What are the things that make you feel joyful as well as make the people around you feel joyful? What are the things that you contribute or should start contributing that sit right with you so that you bring other people along with you? Now, once we figure that part, which is the second month, the third month, we then, with my neuroscience-based coaching, so what that is, is study of the mind and the brain and how we can harness them for higher performance. So once you understand yourself in psychology, understand how you relate to your culture and how culture influences you, then we take all of that and then start performing higher at a higher space because we now understand ourselves a bit more. And so it's a journey of really unpacking and removing those cloaks and being more authentic to yourself first and then being authentic to other people because it's harder to be authentic to other people if you yourself do not know yourself, if that sure. makes any sense. Oh, sure. So it's, it's a great journey. So those first three months are really just about laying ourselves bare and then refueling ourselves with the things that work 
and lovingly letting go of the things that don't work anymore for us at that stage. And then the second level, which is the next three months, is really inner work. So we do a lot of sitting down with your inner child, addressing your shadow, like really unpacking some of the traumas and wounds that we've experienced from the, from the past. Because we carry all of that you know, with us on our journey, on our life journey. And sometimes we are aware of them and sometimes we're not. So we start addressing the ones that we are aware of. And then you know, with time, we start bringing out all the things that we are not aware of. So again, it's you know, deep inner work through Jungian psychology and really understanding who we are as spiritual beings. And the more we know ourselves, the more we're able to give authentically the more we're able to be humble without even trying, the more we're able to bring other people around us, the more we're actually able to identify other people's traits because we ourselves have gone through the path of understanding ourselves because we've also acted that way. And so we are more compassionate in the way that we treat people. We are more conscious of who we are as a collective and so can all contribute to that. So it's really great work and I love doing it because as I heal with my own wounds, my clients also are healing. So I always bring out you know, everything that I've learned and everything that I've done in my own personal space, I bring it into that conversation because I understand it even more. And so when I grow, my clients also grow. So it's a, it's a, deeply, it's a deep personal work for me as well. My life purpose is to help people harness and control the power they already have within themselves. If you could describe me in one word, it, it's, it's a catalyst. I'm here to help other people grow and become better versions of themselves. Oh, that's so cool. You're a catalyst. I love it. Yeah. I love it so much. So I have a question about, you talked about shadow work and your inner child and those early wounds and that sort of thing. How, if someone is completely new to those concepts, how would you describe them? And then also, if someone has come to you and they're in this coaching process and they're like, mm -hmm. you know, I believe in the work that you do, but really I'm just trying to get better at my job. So like, mm -hmm. you know, they're not, they're like, think of it mm -hmm. as, um, you know, sort of they're like psychological mumbo jumbo and they're like I just want practical yeah. fixes in my life like how do you explain <laughs> what those that work is that spiritual work yeah. and then um in in a way that's understandable to someone who doesn't have a background in it and then yeah. why it matters you know in yeah. mm -hmm. in the sphere of their contributions to the world mm -hmm. another very great question so I always start from where people are. That's the easiest part of space to start. Mm -hmm. In the beginning with my business, I used to say, no, but this is so important and da 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 da. And I'll use all this mumbo jumbo, these big words, psychology, anthropology, neuroscience. And I found that I was just shooting myself in the foot because as soon as you use these words, it made sense in my head, but it never makes sense to other people. Like as you rightfully say, people want to, you know, understand or become better leaders and so I really do start from where people are and then I take it from that and so you know in the work that I do we do start with western forms of leadership which is you know how do you manage a team how do you become a better leader and all of that theoretical work so we go that is also included in my work and that's where I usually start 
And then as we create or gain momentum and our relationship blossoms, then I start going into, you know, Eastern philosophy and African philosophy and bringing that, those different aspects of leadership. Because what I found across, whether it's Western, Eastern or African philosophy, you know, the basis of everything is the same. So it might have a different language, it might have a, a big word, but it's all about how do you become a better version of yourself so that you can become, you know, even better to the work that you're doing. And I'll give you an example, one of the biggest examples that I give when I started doing my own shadow work. Um, when I started working, I'm always a hard worker and I would compare myself, which first of all is not a good thing to do to compare yourself to another person because we're all, we're all different to bring something to the table. Though we are all interconnected at spiritual level, at human level, we all have different skill sets. And so for me, I'd always compare myself to one person um, or my peers and find that even though I worked harder, they would get more rewards. So rewards, whether it was financially, whether it was whatever it was, I felt that they had more rewards. And of course, the rewards I was talking about were what my society and my culture had used as a measuring, ta measuring tape, which of course is, you know, at the moment now I see that, that is, you should not be using other people's measuring sticks for what you call your success. But my comparison then got me to a space where I got really frustrated to say, well, I'm working really hard, but I don't seem to get the same results. Like what is going on? And a lot of issues started coming up. I realized that I was always angry. I was holding on to a lot of anger. So even though I was smiling, my actions were very angry because inwardly I was angry from the way that I grew up. So my biological parents died quite early and I had to become an adult very quickly. I had to look after my younger brother and I could not go to university because there was no one to pay for university. I mean, I eventually went later once I earned my own money and saved and took myself to university, but I could not sort of stop high school and go straight to university like most of my peers had done because they, their parents were still alive because I had to start, you know, running a household and looking after my brother and looking for work. So I was an angry child growing up and my parents, my, my last parent who passed on died when I was in my, when I was 16 and a half. And at that age, I now had to become a responsible adult. So I grew up very frustrated, very angry. No one talked to me when I was young to say, you know, how can we help you? There was just, you know, this is your burden. You need to deal with it. And I'm not blaming any other, anyone else because now I understand as an adult that people do or we all do what we do in our lives and react in different ways from what we have been taught or raised to act or react. And so it's not a blame game here, but now I understand it. But growing up, I didn't. And so I was so angry at the world. And with that, I felt helpless. I became a people pleaser because I wanted people to love me. Like, why are you not loving me? <laughs> why are you not by my side? Why are you not having conversations with me? Can't you see, see I'm angry? Can't you see I, see I am struggling? All of those things, I had all these internal debates inside me, but did not have anyone to speak to. And what I found later on was because I became a people pleaser, when it came to them doing deals, business deals with people or hiring people, I would hire the wrong people. I would reduce my value because I wanted people to like me. And so I would take on contracts that I knew I did so much more better, you know, much, I had more skills and value to bring to the table, but I lowered myself 
beyond what I should have been paid or, you know, the business deal I should have gone in or I even didn't even apply for jobs or apply for any businesses because of that low level of lack of self-appreciation because I thought there was something wrong with me because even though I became a people pleaser, I couldn't please everyone. And so all those childhood traumas I carried with me through business, through my profession, and I'll still get frustrated because I didn't know what was going on but I was carrying this, this heavy burden of wanting to just be loved. And so I was carrying this young child with me into you know, professional rooms and business deals. And so when I speak to, to people and use that example, it's a lot of us have gone through a lot of traumas growing up that we don't realize. And when we start unpacking them, it's like you're literally removing a backpack full of stones and rocks off your back that you've been carrying with you. Because now what we're doing when we, for example, sit down with the inner child, is we're sitting down and really understanding and giving air to all the emotions that we went through at that age. And then on the flip side, which is even more powerful, is we say, at that age, if it was a very young age, we went through all this emotional turmoil and we actually came out on the end with all these other achievements that we did that's impressive if we could go through all that emotional turmoil at a young age and still be able to have accomplished all we've accomplished so far then that means as an adult with more resources that i have now compared to when i was a child or a young person i can do even more so it's also very uplifting and so we are more confident within ourselves because now we actually see both sides of the picture. We actually see our shadow, which is you know, our darker side. Why was I really angry? What was that all about? Why was I lashing out? What is that all about? So we bring air and energy and vibration and just positiveness to all of that. Because the more we push it down, the more that it will come out at some stage in a violent manner. And the more we get depressed, we get stressed, we get anxiety, we worry, and all the mental health challenges that we are now seeing even with the pandemic going on. Because the pandemic, what, it's, what's, what, it's, what I feel it has positively done is it has allowed us to slow down and stop running away from the shadows within us, the, mm -hmm. the emotional challenges that we've had, and we've kept ourselves busy for so many years because it's not an easy thing to go back to all those traumas, because in some stages, it's like reliving them, and no one wants to do that, and rightfully so. It is not an easy journey, but when you walk through that journey with a person who's also walked through it and understands it and can coach you or hold your hand and be there with you, it makes it a little easier, and there's always someone there to hold and be with you on the journey it makes it so much easier because another person understands and you don't feel like there's something wrong with you. So it's quite important, but you know, going back to the beginning of this conversation, I really do start from where you are. So if you're wanting to become a better leader, a better manager, a better you know, mother, father, parent, whatever it is, because leadership is both in the home, in the community, at work, in your business, we start from where you are, what is it that is stopping you from getting to where you really want to go. We can look at physical resources, we look at emotional resources, we look at how you can harness your current mind and your brain for higher performance. We look at the language that you're speaking, you know, using with other people and with yourself and your self-talk. So it's like a holistic 360 degree unpacking 
um, you know, who you are on this beautiful journey of becoming a better version of yourself, which you already know, because when you arrive on this planet, your soul, your spirit, your God, whatever it is that you, you is your higher power, already knows why you're here. And we are literally just removing the social, cultural, emotional, physical barriers that we've accumulated over the years. Mm -hmm. Wow. It totally makes sense how working with a coach like yourself in this journey, someone to guide you and prompt you and hold space for you is really, really important. How do you like, I know, and I don't mean to reduce everything to a nutshell, but just, we have only so much time to talk and stuff, you know, as far as like, actually, if someone is, has, been so successful in pushing down mm. their their shadow and their wounds and they don't even know you know why they you know can blow up sometimes or or be inordinately angry in in unexpected moments and that sort of thing um what is you know what are some rules of thumb for just beginning that journey in a healthy way to like get in touch when they've been really good at being out of touch? Mm. That's a good question. The first, the first thought that comes to mind is when you, because usually when we do something that is not so great to other people and even to ourselves, it does not feel right. We don't feel settled inside. And when that happens, the question is to go back home, when you're home, and just sit down with yourself and say, what led me to that? Mm. Why did I act that way? What happened? What was I thinking at that stage? What do I need to have done for it not to happen? What was it that made me feel I needed to blow out? Because what you're truly asking when you ask those questions is, what wound is there? Because if you have, for example, a wound on your hand, you know, an open gash on your hand, if someone just comes with a cat hair and strokes that place, you're going to jump out of your skin and say, hey, this is painful. Do not touch that, right? Mm -hmm. But if the wound has been healed and your skin is fine and someone comes with a cat hair, you know, you might not even feel it at all. And so when we are rude or aggressive or we shout at another person, that just means they've touched a wound that has not healed. So for you, it's, it's questioning, you know, how did this happen? Was I not feeling okay? Why, why was, not, was I not feeling okay? Did something happen over the course of the day or the course of the week? What has got me unsettled? And you keep asking that question over and over again. Whatever answer you come with, keep asking why until you sort of get back to say, oh, okay, this is why I acted this way. And so before that event happens again, or a similar event happens again, you have now seen the pattern that led you to your behavior. And so you want to remove that pattern and replace it with something else. And you can also do this when something goes great, which we sometimes forget as human beings. We have to celebrate even something that looks like a small win. Because if we see that, oh, look, I've gained momentum and everything is going well, then you can also do a post-mortem and say, oh, what led me to be able to do that? 
because you want to do that even more. Because what happens is, you know, the more you reward yourself, the more your brain releases, you know, chemicals and hormones, the feel-good chemicals and the feel-good hormones, and the more you want to do it more. So mm -hmm. the more you celebrate the, the small and the big wins, the more your body releases these chemicals, the more it starts craving for those chemicals, the more you actually behave in that way. So it's, it's both on, always remember that there are two sides of the coin. So there's always a, a not so great side, which you can always adjust because the beautiful thing again of being a human being is we can adjust and we can change. And when you find that you've done something that's not so great, you always need to be kind to yourself because no one is perfect. No one is perfect. And we all, there's no such thing as failure. It's a learning lesson. It only becomes a failure if you're doing it over and over again without changing it. That's when it becomes a failure because then it's just this thing that's now just part of us. But if you're growing through that, if you're learning through that, then that's great because what happens is you can now teach and lead other people because you've grown through it. And so it's easier for you to express yourself and to help people understand by using examples from your own life because we all want this connection. So if we can see that the other person is actually human and they're using examples from their own life, it becomes so much easier. And that's one of the reasons I actually wrote my book because for me it was, let me just share what's going on in my mind right now because it's not feeling so great and I'm just going to put it on paper. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my book is all about just my, my experiences as a young child that I didn't really understand. And even when I look back at the book and read it now, you can actually see from a point of view of someone who's gone through trauma and understands it, that there's so many actually other blocks within the book that I kind of just brushed through because I didn't understand them. But mm -hmm. now I really understand now that I've gone through my own coaching as a coach, um, you know, as a student coach as well, that, okay, this is what I was going through. And because I didn't understand it psychologically, now I do and I understand and I'm okay that I wrote it down because other people can see and experience that journey as well and be okay at that end to say, I'm only human and it's okay and I'm learning and growing. And that's great. Wow. Well, I think that's such a beautiful note to conclude this conversation on. I would love to have you again because I feel like there's <laughs> so many threads here that we could keep diving into. But I, I love we've kind of come full circle about how, you know, the the inventory we do on ourselves to become more authentic while also mm. being kind and compassionate as we unpack help us. Mm -hmm to engage authentically, connect with other people's authenticity and help bring that out. And also, you know, to treat others with the compassion and kindness and the, as you said a little while ago, like to interact in a way that is humble without trying to be humble because we've just integrated this awareness that we're all flawed and we're all human and we all have the capacity to also transform and to rise up. Mm. Mm. Is there <laughs> any, anything else on this topic, like final thoughts that you would like to leave mm. our listeners with? Mm, absolutely. You're much greater than you can ever know or believe that you are. And never be afraid of doing anything. You know, the acronym FEAR can mean false evidence appearing real, or you can look at it as face everything and rise. 
and you know feel excited and be ready to do all the things that you already know you should be doing and find people around you who can you know walk with you on that journey that's all I have to say for today and I look forward to the next time I'd love to continue yes conversation and that was so great and for people who want to find you it's designyourlifefoundation.com correct yes yes designyourlifefoundation.com and you are also on Instagram and uh, it's under your name Barbara Mutezzi Mm -hmm. and where Mm -hmm. else can people find you and connect with you they can find me on Twitter as well, which is B Mutezi. And I'm also on Facebook, which is Design Your Life with Barbs. And if they want to contact me directly, it's Barbara at designyourlifefoundation.com. Awesome. Well, cool. I hope some more people reach out to you because it sounds like the work you're doing is going to help people individually and to make the world a better place. So thank you for coming and having a spiritual conversation with me, Barbara. My pleasure, Jacqueline. Thank you so much. (laughs) Hey, podcast listeners. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Barbara Mutezzi as much as I did. If you have any suggestions or pitches for me as far as other people that you would like to hear a spiritual conversation with, I would love to hear your suggestions and pitches. So you can contact me on my website, Jacqueline Claire Art, via the contact button or on most social media platforms at Jacqueline Claire Art. Thank you so much for joining me in this spiritual conversation. There are links below to my Patreon and the Patreon Art Classroom if you would like to support my work and take some art lessons with me. And I also have a children's book coming up. You will be hearing more and more about it in the coming months, and I will be thanking and including all of my patrons in that book as well. Until next time, my friends, I wish you the best for playing your part in making this world a better place.